Jack, it's finally here. The top 100 update. I think it was only a day late from what we promised. Well, I, I probably had like three other failed promises before, but Just Baseball's top 100 update is live. We're going to talk prospects 100 to 81 today. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. This is the call up. I'm a little bit delirious. Uh, late nights, the last couple of nights, making sure that we could get the uh, everything working. It's some new interface, some new back end uh, aspects to the list that I think people will really like. Uh, and I know you have been quite busy as well, helping me get this up, helping me edit it, help me make decisions. And uh, we did it, man. We updated this thing. And uh, I-, I think it's not too bad. Yeah, you did it. Like I, I'm Vanna White. I just stand there and I, I point to the I point to the big board there. So um, did I ever tell you what I did before I went out to the Cape in 2018? I don't think six so. weeks. I worked construction. I was building a <laughs> bar and restaurant for six weeks. And when you said like the date got pushed back a couple of times, that brought me back to that because it was like I had a hard out. I was going to the Cape then, but like our semester at Syracuse ended. I had a six week grace period and I was like, OK, I want to make some money before I go out to the Cape and, you know, make little to no money calling baseball. But it's way more fun. So I work construction. And in that six week period, the open date for that restaurant got pushed back, I think, four times. <laughs> like that's yeah. just how construction, that's construction works. 101 though by the way that that's is construction that is like 101 you set a date and you're gonna move it back at least three months and yeah. like the the thing with this one is um you did a really good job sticking to your date but you know once you get the dylan head write-up done you're like oh wait something isn't populating on the back end like there's yeah. just so many different variables thing. That was the thing I finally finished. And then I'm like, oh, wait, now I got to like load all these in. I got to make sure it all works. But that to be said, click the link in the episode description. Or if you're watching on YouTube, we're going to share the screen with you. But you should also click the link and and, and read everything else because then you don't have to wait all week for us to go through each band of 20. Uh, But this is something that, you know, we continue to update not only, you know, in terms of what's in our write ups, more advanced data. Uh, more in-person looks, more video and things like that. But the actual interface of the website, uh, we want it to be the best user experience possible. And that's something I'm really excited about too, with what we've been able to do uh, with just continuing to develop this site over at justbaseball.com. Before we get into it, one thing I want to say is, you know, each list that we do, uh, and as we continue to update, of course, I'm learning as much as I can uh, and, and just you know, adding a little bit of different layers. Um, And I think, you know, these have always had a ton of live looks and video and data baked into it. But I think it's just kind of continuing to learn the balance of it all, uh, continuing to learn, you know, where you can lean on the data a little bit more versus where you can lean on what you've seen, what you've heard, who you've talked to. Um, And that's kind of the name of the game. And there's a lot of nuance to it. And uh, it's fun to do these episodes, though, because, you know, it's one thing to just kind of put it all out there. Uh, but now it's it's another opportunity to be able to kind of just kind of talk about what the decision making process was like, uh, what why some guys, you know, really endeared themselves to us in this list and why others may have fallen off. Um, do we want to do who fell off when we get into it? Or is that maybe like a bonus? We should have talked about this before. Or is that like a bonus thing that we can talk about at the at the end once we go through all the 100? Yeah, I think we should probably save it and do like a just missed um, yeah. episode. So I, I think we can do that. And that'll also be an article on just baseball.com. So I, I think we can do that. The, the one thing that I want to say about the list as a whole is you are 26 and not complacent. Um, I think, you know, like I don't think really anybody in this industry is complacent because I think it's their job. Like they get paid to, you know, put together the best list that they have put together to this point in their careers. But You know, you especially like how many guys have we had on this show that are top 100 guys between the last release and this release? Like six. I'm thinking off the top. Job, Andy, Jones, Phillips, um, PCA, PCA, like that's between the last release and this release. So, like, yes, you already have a lot of information that you're working with, but you are constantly accumulating more information and you're talking to more of these guys. And 
the more guys you talk to, I think the easier it is to flesh out who a top 100 guy is and who it isn't. So I, I think you're doing a good job with your due diligence. On this I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, let's let's jump into it and we will go right to 100. And, and this band of players here is kind of the range of guys I'm sick of ranking. Um, and, and that's that's really mm-hmm. the best way I can describe it. We're going to fly through several names and then you know, kind of spend a little bit more time on others. You know, of course, some will be worth more of a conversation than others. And, you know, I'll kind of let you steer that as well, Jack, you know, because I think maybe someone that I think would merit more follow-up questions or that you think may follow up, but merit more follow-up questions. I may not. Um, So, you know, feel free to, to chime in if I start to move on, on someone that you think maybe the listener may want to hear a little bit more on, but number 100 is Justin Foscue. Uh, probably the lowest ceiling on this list, uh, but also the highest floor or, or not, or one of the highest floors, relatively speaking with the bat. Um, you could probably point out a lot of different guys with a higher floor and also like Jackson holiday, I guess would technically have a higher floor, but you know what I mean? Foscue second base, Texas Rangers. The reason why he's on here for me is I just have an endless amount of confidence that this guy's going to be a big leaguer. Uh, 70 hit tool power is at least average and and he's shown the ability to get into it to his pull side not a great defender but versatile uh, which always hedges defensive concern there to me I'm just I'm always going to bet on one of the better hit tools in in the minor leagues that's continued to get better and you know just a track record of hitting Uh, Nick Madrigal has zero impact and he's going to be a big leaguer for I don't know, seven, eight more years to this point until his body like fully breaks down. So if Nick Madrigal with zero impact is going to be a big leaguer for the foreseeable future, then a guy with 50 grade power and 45 grade game power Mm -hmm. is going to be a consistent big leaguer. So you called Adeo Amador with the Rockies the best bat to ball guy in the minor leagues. Foscu isn't far behind. No, 100%. And it's been cool to see those zone contact rates just get better and better and better. And he's always f- hovering right around 90% with a really good approach. Yeah, Get to 99, who's somebody I'm even more sick of ranking. God dang it, man. Number 99, Ronnie Mauricio. I think he's up one spot from where he was in the preseason rank. Mets prospect, putting up numbers, but like he, that's what he does. He At this point, he's a volatile Upper minors prospect with big power potential. The glove improving has definitely improved his outlook for me, but that took him from outside the top 100 to now on the back of the top 100. But I don't really, there's nothing that's going to change my perception on him unless I see a massive slash and chase rate or he gets up to the big leagues and performs. And that's why at this point, I think it's absolutely asinine that the Mets are not calling him up. Your season's done. You have nothing to play for. See what Ronnie can do. He stalled out. There were some concerns about him kind of going stale out there uh, in AAA because of just like, I bet he was frustrated. And, and end of the day, this that's not how this thing works. You got to keep playing. And, and that's something that, you know, I'm sure they told him and he kind of ramped it back up and he's been swinging it well again. But he's going to be a streaky hitter. He's going to be super aggressive. And like, let's just see what he can do in the big leagues. I've had enough of this, man. Yeah, I mean, why is Jonathan Arauz playing second base for the New York <laughs> Mets right now? And Mauricio, yeah. that, that's my only thing. Like, you mentioned one of two things have to happen. And uh, tell you what, he's not going to stop chasing in Syracuse. Like, he's going to try and hit his way out of Syracuse. He already has hit his way out of Syracuse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Beatty's down. Vientos is up and kind of stinking right now. Like, just let Mauricio go up and see what he can do. And I don't want to say meaningless games, but meaningless games. And, and it gives fans something to watch, man. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, yeah. just, they don't want to watch our ooze. And I know a lot of fans aren't even tuned in right now, but I'd be more interested as a diehard Mets fan watching Ronnie Mauricio than, no offense, Jonathan Arauz, who that guy just bounces around everywhere. Yeah, he was a Red Sox. That was the oh, last yeah. He, yeah, he'll that, be an immaculate grid 0.04% for sure. Oh, he's, he's going to be a good immaculate <laughs> grid pull. 98, Edwin Arroyo, I believe he was not on our top 100 preseason. That or was right on the back end. But yeah. I think he might have been on, just on the back end. Arroyo got off to a slow start 
and I've kind of gone back and forth on my, you know, how I feel about him and I've kind of settled on this. The glove is, is phenomenal. That I talk about defensive dives. I'm, I'm kind of a geek about defensive dives. You know, I love hitting and swings, but when I can just click through and just watch, you know, a hundred plays that a guy's made at shortstop, man, does Edwin Arroyo, the Cincinnati Reds make it look easy as a 19 year old shortstop that, that gives him a high floor switch hitter with, his field of hit has improved so much. His, he was running his own contact rate around 80% last year, and that's where I really started to get concerned. Because I'm like, I know it's early, but you don't have a ton of power. There's a lot of moving parts to your swing. Your glove first, if you do not hit a ton, it's going to be really hard to be a regular. He has simplified his moves in the box, and I think he's looking more like a potential above average to plus hitter. That makes me feel a lot better about his outlook. You pair the glove with that. The power, it's going to always be below average, but like could get to fringe average because of his ability to lift the ball. Yeah. Boring. I hate, like, I don't mean it in a bad way. Like boring because there's not a wide range of outcomes, but a, a high probability big leaguer here. Yeah, high probability, and he also swipes a ton of bags. Like that's the other thing that's kind of the saving grace. If he's a 10 homer guy at the big league level, I know he's going to swipe bags. And I think Uh 10 elevates to 15 if you play 81 games a year in Cincinnati. So when you lift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Arroyo, like, I don't know, I guess safe for a 19 year old. But yeah, like there's just not much to dream on as opposed to the guy at 97. A hundred percent. And this is where the list gets funny because it's just like there's just so many, so many different types of, of, you know, different flavors of ice cream here. We're talking about with prospects like there's when we're ranking these guys in bands, like there's so many different types of players and 97 Sebastian Walcott. I have him at third base for the Texas Rangers. I think he's still technically listed as a shortstop. I, I, I don't think he's playing shortstop from what I've seen, unless he makes some massive, massive improvements. This is where prospect ranking is tough though, Jack, because you have a 90 number 98 Edwin Arroyo high probability, big leaguer, but also you no know, high probability bench guy. You know, he's got a really, really hit to be a regular Walcott wide range of outcomes could flame out in double a he could strike out too much but he also could hit 35 home runs at the highest level he's 17 years old and a young 17 and he's already popped 112 mile per hour exit velocities he's kind of become already this complex legend there's always like the complex legend every year um and he's one of them with the just continuous home runs he's hitting i'll say this though it is a really pretty swing for a young 17-year-old who's six foot four. $3.2 million international free agent in 2023. So he has that, you know, kind of financial shine with him too. Yeah. There's there's a long way to go, but there's just too much upside for him to not be a top 100 guy and an already present impact. He was born in March of 2006. I know. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean, Sebastian Walcott, the, the thing that, kind of gets me about this is like for every, you know, complex darling, I, some of them are Robert Poisson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just happens and then it dissipates. Um, but that's the game you play in, in prospect, you know, ranking and prospect grading. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have no look on Walcott. I'm curious. Do you think that he makes it off the complex? Um, Cause the complex will end just before low a does. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, I think yes. I think they should challenge him. You know, who cares if he gets blown up? Like whatever. Uh, but I, I honestly think it's a coin flip. I, 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 it's so weird with how teams handle these guys sometimes. But it, to, to the Poisson point, I think that you know to to try to evaluate who is lower risk in the riskiest situation, I think is almost the wrong way to approach it. It's like if you're looking at penny stocks, are you going to be able to identify which penny stock is the least risky? Probably not. What you can probably identify is which penny stock has the, you know, has the highest upside. Which penny stock can make me a millionaire versus, uh, you know, a six-figure type of winnings there. And when I look at Walcott, if it all works out for him, he's a, he's a, he's a superstar. Some yeah. of these other complex darlings, it was like, oh, if it all works out for him, he's like a really good player. And that's where I'm not tolerating that kind of risk. I'll tolerate this kind of risk when you're 6'4 and are already hitting the ball 112 miles an hour. 
yeah. uh, you know, with ability to stay at third base. And I think he could be a good third baseman. He's got a big arm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But the swing characteristics, I think, point towards the potential for an average hit tool, which at that point, then it's going to be scary. For sure. Number 96, Yvonne Herrera. It's been a nice little, uh, I would say, bounce back for him. I don't even know what you would call it. But Cardinals catcher, I think the future of the Cardinals catching position. You can make the case that Herrera could be higher up here, and and, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that. I did a thread on Twitter about his swing adjustments that he has made. He was very much like a a pushy swinger, uh, meaning like his hands would kind of get out in front of him um, and his weight would shift forward prematurely. He made these adjustments in the box that look really weird. Like his hands start way out and like go straight back. But that's kind of how he gets himself to like stay back in his swing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he has seen improvements across the board. It's I mean, it is 90th percentile exit velocity is up four miles per hour. He has a new max exit velocity of 113 miles an hour. I think he hit more balls 105 plus miles per hour in the first quarter of the season than he did the whole year the year before. His contact rates were higher. Oh, and by the way, he's actually defending better, too. Again, you you can make the case that Herrera deserves a bump up. I, I just I wanted to tread a little lightly because it's second stint of triple A new swing, you know, like swing adjustments. Let's see how they continue. But so far, so good. So far, so good. And I feel like he's in the Mauricio bucket where we have nothing left to see in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. He's got to catch consistently. And unfortunately, they have $85 million tied up to a guy that they relegated to a DH role um, at a certain point this year for, I guess, a 10-day stretch. That was real commitment to that yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I think spring training is going to be really big for him next year. And I almost never say that spring training is big for a guy. But for a guy like Herrera, he can force their hand. And I think this offseason is going to be very telling. Who does St. Louis move to clear up space? Is Wilson Contreras the DH moving forward? Do they try and move Contreras at a discount? Um, do they eat some of that money to get a decent prospect return? Yeah. Um, I, I think Herrera should be given the opportunity to be the primary catcher for St. Louis next spring training, and, and we're going to learn a lot there. I don't want to chalk up the last six weeks of the AAA season as, as a loss for Herrera, but – I think whatever he does, honestly, doesn't really matter that much. No, and I think what he's flashed with the big leagues has been pretty good, and the defense has yeah. looked better. I think he's the, the biggest thing here is he's giving the Cardinals an option. Yeah. They, they are not married to to Contreras now because I think you can plug Herrera in. He's going to be a better defender, and you know you can kind of get off of this situation that's just kind of soured already there in yep. St. Louis. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. 95, a guy I know you've seen plenty of, the good and the bad. Uh Connor Phillips, right-handed pitching prospect with the Cincinnati Reds. Talk about electric stuff. Came over in that Winker Suarez deal. Uh, the the stuff is is is. There's no doubt about that, right? The fastball is plus mid 90s sits up to the upper 90s. Dirty slider, curveball that flashes plus nascent changeup, and you know just very fringy command. There's just so much arm talent. He's young and there's just too much to like here. It's an identical conversation at 95 to the one that we're going to have at 91. And I think that there is way more. I think there's way less panic at 95 than there is at 91. And we're going to get to 91 in a matter of minutes. But Connor Phillips at 95, I think, is a really good pull because this guy is running away with the strikeout crown in minor league baseball. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to keep you know, the, the K King in minor league baseball off this list. Now he was throwing with the tack ball, but um, go listen to that Connor Phillips conversation. It was about eight, nine minutes on the back end of an episode two weeks ago. And I, I thought Connor did a great job kind of highlighting how he's, you know, reacclimating to a new baseball, how he's acclimating to the big league baseball um, because things were just taking off like a blitz ball for him He saw those numbers elevate big time. I think he's going through a touch and feel process right now, but this guy really knows what he's doing on the Hill. And I've got faith that he figures out the command thing. That's, that's an important point. And I'm glad you had that conversation with Connor. And it's super fascinating to hear the player's perspective. Cause we always just assume, Oh, tacked ball, nothing but benefits for pitcher. Yes. And no, because yes, when they get the feel for that ball, they can start to dominate with just a different kind of movement profile. But no, when they have to go back to a regular ball, it's a lot different. 
look at the hit by pitches in the Southern League. Like it is way up. And you look at, you know, now you got to go back up to AAA and you're using this kind of closer to big league ball. So it's already a little bit different as is. Yuri Perez talked about how it took him several big league starts to get his change up back. And that's a guy that's had plus command, like from the word go. So if you were already a guy with fringy command and you've got to deal with these variables, and it is a guy that likes to rip it, right? He likes to really rip that breaking ball. That's a big reason why I think the changeup has taken a step back this year and why the breaking ball has been somewhat inconsistent. I think that would have been the case anyways, but I think it's it's hurt him a little bit more. And that's why I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt with the command challenges. And he's young and he's shown flashes of domination in AAA, which is really impressive. Like he has, I, I think he's really bullied some very good hitters in AAA when he's when he's right. Um and there's just not that many pitching prospects I'm taking over Connor Phillips right now, and that's why he's on the list. Yeah, and it's just a when he's right question. Yeah. And this will be a fun year, I think, in the offseason, see how he develops. If he comes back next year and just starts ripping through players and and shoving, would you be surprised at all? No, not at all. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see him make his debut before May 1st. Yeah, I'm with you. And the Reds could use him, so that, that could be really fun. That could be a fun rotation very soon. Very, very soon. 94. Guy I'm kind of tired of ranking, mm-hmm. um, Connor Norby, Baltimore Orioles, second base prospect. Dude just hits. I mean, we've been, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been talking about him since the draft. Uh, just, I love all my ECU hitters, all the guys that spread them out with two strikes, go no stride. Not that everybody needs to do that, but guys that do it well, it's, it's always really impressive. It's above average contact rates. It's, you know, average exit velocities that he – Gets into all of his power, though, because of the fact that he hits the ball in the air consistently, sprays the ball to all fields. He's just a, another you know high-probability big leaguer who's you know going to probably give you average power and play a good second base. Just another understudy for the Baltimore Orioles. Like, come on, man. I, how many understudies do you need? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for them to finally make the mega deal. but It's going to be an offseason thing. It it's will gotta be. It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean – you just there's just not room for all these guys. They, I, I, everyone's bored of ranking them. How how are the Orioles not bored of watching them play in Norfolk? There's just no, there's no way because they're gonna win the AAA championship. <laughs> they already won the first half. Yeah, like Woo-hoo. hooray. Yeah. How about the big league team winning one? <laughs> yeah. All right, we get to 93 here. This is a new one, and I'll be honest. This is like your classic. He so. I'll start with this. Johan Rojas, outfielder, Philadelphia Phillies. Yes. He was on my radar when I saw him in the Arizona Fall League because he was swinging the bat a lot differently. He was working on some things out there. Then I saw the batted ball data early in this year. And again, on my radar. Was he in the top 100 radar? Eh, Not quite, right on the outside. Then he does what he did in the big leagues, being shoved up there from double A. When you know they, they needed him, of course, the Phillies were in a pinch. And not only did, did this dude hold it down, but he was really good. The reason why I love Rojas is the glove is – I think he might be the second best defensive center fielder behind Pete Crow Armstrong. And oh my, I, tweeted, I tweeted out a clip. I wish I had it queued up right here. I, I might be able to like put it up on the screen in a second. But I, I tweeted out a clip of a, a Johan Rojas catch – it's one of the best catches I think I've seen. <laughs> it, it is unbelievable. His routes in center field are amazing. He's a plus-plus runner. He just absolutely moves. I always saw a fourth outfielder kind of outlook for him, Jack. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he makes some adjustments going into this year. And his 90th percentile exit velocity jumps by two, three miles per hour. His contact rates jump a little bit. His approach gets a little bit better. He's going to be a guy that puts the ball on the ground a lot. And that's fine because he's fast. But when you can hit the ball harder, your BABIP's going to be higher. And he's still hitting more line drives than he did in the past. He'll sneak that pull side homer and you're like, whoa. Like he's got 109 in there. Like, whoa. Um, he's just a fun player and a high probability big leaguer that can really go get it in center. Like he, he's going to be a three. I think he could be easily be a three, three and a half win player. Yes. 
Um, I don't do it to be edgy, even though it may come off as that, but I latch on to like very weird guys like Isak Paredes is just kind of my guy to watch with Tampa right now. Um, latched on to Julianne and I have loved watching Julianne with Minnesota. Johan Rojas has been a guy that I've latched on to because when I watch this guy play, my brain starts to stir and I say, okay, what's going to happen when Marsh comes back? Because you can't move this guy out of center field right now. I really don't think you can. He's hitting 323 games. Did they He's not 20. already? I thought they already like sent him to double for a game or something like Did they send him to double for I a game? He's, he's on the active roster. He, he okay, played then on he's Sunday. Back. I, I might have missed saw that. So, yeah. What do you like, do? I think I think Marsh goes to right. I think Castellanos goes to left. And I think Rojas has to play center. I think you have to shove Brandon Marsh to a corner when he's back from this knee contusion right now. Rojas is playing an incredibly high level of center field. You just said PCA is probably the only better defensive center fielder in the minor leagues. I'd go as far to say as like, and I know that you're going to say it with Pete Armstrong when we get there in a couple of episodes, like PCA immediately becomes a top three defender in the game in center field. I think Rojas is already a top five defender in the game in center field. Like Michael I mean, Harris, I, who else are you throwing in there? I'm trying to think of guys like there, there might be some guys that like we're, we're missing like off the dome in the like big leagues. Tier but, Meyer, I guess, but, but there's, I mean, he's in, they're in the conversation. They're tier one uh, to, to, to your point. And I, I think it was something like in how many games has he played in the big leagues? Like 23. Yeah. And he's hitting 300. And I think he's got like four outs above average. He's amazing out there, man. Like he was during that Michael Lorenzen no hitter, that guy was the star of the show that wasn't yeah. Michael Lorenzen. Like this guy was tracking everything down. And I give props to the Phillies. I they were in a pinch. A lot of other teams would have went out and signed Jake Marisnik. Yep. And instead, you know, they they identified, hey, we have a guy that can hold it down, even if he didn't hit, you know, he was gonna hold it down and you know run. He he's also turned himself into an elite base stealer, by the way. Yeah. That's a big part of it too. He's swiping bags. What do you have? 60 52? What was something crazy last year? He's already got 30 something this year. Johan uh, Rojas last year was 62 for 67. This year back he's in the 30 for base. 38. And he's catch. now five for six. Here's a catch for those watching on YouTube. This is probably one of my favorite catches I've seen in a while. Oh <laughs> jump man <laughs> type stuff. He went Jordan logo. Yeah, for those watching on YouTube, that was I had I had to throw that catch in there. But yeah, so I mean, look, is he going to be an all star? Probably not. This guy signed for ten thousand dollars, <laughs> so it is just so awesome yeah. to see him develop this way. Contact rates are above average. Good ball player. Good ball player. I'm a top really? one hundred prospects. I'm taking him over a lot of other players right now. Yep. Ninety two. Another one that just like I, I wish he was graduated by now. We were hyping him up so much before the year. Mason Miller, right-handed pitcher, Oakland A's. It's an 80 fastball. It's it's a plus-plus slider potentially. Above-average cutter that he really started to mix in there. And a changeup that was already looking like it could be an, a decent big league pitch. We had an interview with him. He was awesome. His story's awesome. He's really, really talented. Injuries have been the issue pretty much since college. It kind of is the issue again. Fortunately, avoided surgery as far as we understand. It's a, it's a UCL sprain, but he's already had Tommy John. So it's an interesting situation there. He just throws the crap out of the ball. So there's always going to be that concern there. But if it weren't for injuries, Mason Miller is arguably one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. We had him higher than this going into the year. And then he went to the big leagues and threw 103 and showed what he could do. It's just about the the injury risk here, and and it's it's just it stinks. When he's available, he's electric. But availability is the question, and that's not a question that you or I can answer. Nope, nope. Um, and you know, maybe maybe he ends up in a bullpen. If he does, he could be <laughs> probably but the he best. Should be. He's he's no, an electric starter. But I'm I with know. you. He could be. He doesn't need to be. But you know, if it comes down to that with arm issues, kind of like AJ Puck. I think he'd be better than AJ Puck. Sorry, A's fans. Sure. I know that probably brought some trauma too. Yeah. 91. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking <laughs> about him here. Uh, Kyle Harrison. 
Kyle Harrison, left-handed pitcher of the San Francisco Giants. I, I haven't checked Twitter in, in a few minutes, um, obviously, because we've been recording. But that's this is kind of the the one shoe I'm waiting to drop in my mentions of, like, why is Kyle Harrison in 91? And just getting chewed out because you look at every other prospect list. He's way up there. I mean, we know what he can do. I, you, you can highlight his numbers last year. They are out, absolutely outrageous. He's about to turn 22 years old, and he's already has – extensive domination in triple a but here's the big concern guys should say concerns with an s seven walks per nine is one thing that's one thing and i could actually almost tolerate that like if it was just the walks we talked about this on the just baseball show if it was just the walks i'd have him higher but it's the walks and then his stuff is subdued across his entire arsenal I don't know what he did to his, his his slider. It used to have much more sweep. It was in the low 80s, and it was disgusting. Now he's throwing it harder in the mid-80s with a totally different movement profile, less horizontal, more vertical, and it's not getting nearly the whiff, and he's not throwing it for a strike nearly as much. I don't know if he wanted to try to throw it harder. I don't know what the deal is there. I would love to ask him about that. Lost a few inches of horizontal on the fastball, which was important because he's a horizontal working guy with where he releases it and then the changeup, he's thrown more balls with it than strikes this year it's totally disappeared it was a good pitch for him last year even though it was inconsistent so you have command issues and then you have the arsenal taking a step back and he's had you know some minor injuries this year it's it's tough to see the changeup is the one that kind of throws me because I thought the changeup was going to be the calling card. And it was going to be fastball changeup and we were going to be all systems go. The slider, I know we've talked to Walker Bueller about it on the Just Baseball show. Like he has yearned for that little diver of a slider. He was like, yeah, I didn't like that my slider swept, but like his slider's gross. I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. But Kyle Harrison, like kind of same deal. He may just want that little diver. He may feel like if he's got the diver, um, then that complements the fastball changeup, you know, in a solid way. So yeah, the slider, like he may just be tinkering to what he likes. And if he hammers that down, okay. The, the changeup is the one that it's like, if you don't have that, I'm really concerned because then you're a two pitch guy. Yeah. And then again, when you, when you see the slider back up too, so it's like, okay, you're a two pitch guy and that pitch is backed up for you. Like this is, <laughs> it's, it's a tough spot. The good, the good news is super athletic, very young, not even 22 yet, has plenty of time to work through it. I almost feel like you just got to chalk this up as a lost season for him and, and you know, kind of go back to the drawing board in the offseason and just see what you got from there like and, and work on some things. But otherwise, it's just – it seems like he's kind of stuck right now uh, and trying to figure things out. The fastball shape was a big one for me too because that's his – at the end of the day, that's the pitch. That's what he dominates everybody with. And to see that kind of take a step back was was interesting. So – uh, not out on Harrison by any means, definitely concerned. And uh, that's why we, we dropped him as, as much as we did. Yep. Number 60. Someone 90. I know you love. Or sorry, six. Why did I say 60? Number 90. This is a guy I know you are a big fan of. Yankiel Fernandez. I think I said 60 because I was thinking about the power. You like that yeah. pivot there? Uh, Yankiel Fernandez, Colorado Rockies. I mean, 60 power is, is, you know, conservative. I think it's 70 raw. I've seen this guy hit the ball 114 miles an hour. Uh, just absolutely put up silly power numbers in high A. He's 20 years old with crazy high chase rates and has met his match in double A. And I think this is kind of that test. How do you adjust? How do you improve? Uh, but I, I'm not too worried about you know, struggles in double A's and aggressive 20-year-old power hitter. But, man, this guy's – got some special power potential and if he can just get to albuquerque then then it's game over he's gonna be hitting balls 500 feet out there and then you know we know what he can do in course i think he can hit enough it's gonna be a fringy hit to him no matter what but with the power ability to lift howitzer of an arm in the corner outfield uh it's just your classic power hitting corner profile with all the flair you you want to see uh from a from a fun player when was the last time the Rockies had a guy sell out for power like this? Like Todd Helton was not sell out for power. A cargo Larry, wasn't sell out for power. Larry Walker wasn't sell out for power. I mean, Tulo wasn't sell out for power. Nolan wasn't. I'm thinking like Galarraga, like the big Galarraga, cat. Andres Galarraga, the big cat. Like 
th- that is the level of excitement that I think you can you can gather. And we never watched Andres Galarraga live. Vinny Castilla, like sure, but I mean, dude, like there's you a level. Strike out that much. <laughs> yeah, there's a level of holy hell. We're gonna see like arcade mode on a video game type distance from Yankee at Coors Field, and I'm just really excited for that opportunity to come. Like, think about what's way up top at Coors Field. You have that like almost rooftop bar type thing. You know what I'm talking about? That gathering spot. Like look out up there for Yankeel Fernandez fly ball. So I'm, I'm obsessed with how fun this guy can be. If it all clicks, there's a lot that still has to click, but I'm obsessed with it. And you've been pestering me to collect cards. I am going to try and scoop up. You're you're, you're not, you're an absolute nut because like I've been pestering you to collect cards. It was like, yo, invest in some like players that I really believe in that. I think, you know, well, those cards are 3X, 4X, and you can hold on to it or decide to sell it. You always talk about how risk-averse you are, and then you're like, I want Yankeel Fernandez. You, yeah. you know, I love uncanny comps. I like, You know I hate my comps unless they're literally uncanny. Jesus, he screams Jesus Sanchez, which is a good thing. Imagine Jesus Sanchez and Coors. Like, Jesus Sanchez was frustrating. He took time to develop, but now look at him. Didn't he hit a five panic Coors last year? Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> like, I'm in. Yeah. No, I, that's that's my comp, and I think that's a great outcome. And he's, you know, I think he's ahead of where Jesus was. Yeah. Um, I will be searching for Yankee L. Fernandez cards. I'm going to do it using alt. Baseball card market heating up second half of the season and of the offseason when you're bored to tears with no baseball. Only place you want to search for cards is alt.xyz, alt.xyz. Uh, alt, the only platform that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and eBay at once. Free alt app is in our episode description. Type a player or card into the search bar. Alt going to give you every graded card available for sale. Even better, if I don't see a Yankee L that I like, I'm going to save my search. I'm going to get a push notification from Alt. It's like, yeah. hey, bub, come on. Hey, some, someone's trying to someone's trying to dump this volatile stock over here, Jack. You want it? Yeah. Someone's selling me. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I absolutely do. Um, yeah. You'll never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. Uh, I'm going to use Alt to get my Yankee L Fernandez card, and you should use Alt to uh, – I don't know, get somebody else that you want, but Yankeel's mine. I'll tell you who once we once we get there. Uh, but okay. I'll be using alt for you know, I, I honestly I might grab a Yankeel because he's fun, but <laughs> that's not that's not gonna be my uh push the chips forward investment, I don't think. Uh whatever. I don't, I don't know if I can handle that kind of risk. 89. This is a card I'll collect. Yeah. Uh you know, because I think the risk is way less than the perceived risk, maybe for you know, a guy of his profile. Dylan Head. Outfielder San Diego Padres was just drafted 25th overall by the fighting AJ Prowers. Okay, that's the one thing he does, man, is he scouts, he identifies, and he finds these players that, you know, kind of have this uptick in stock right before the draft, and they grab them maybe right before they're going to explode. And I think Dylan Head is that. It's similar to Jackson Merrill, not in terms of the type of player, but similar to some of the other guys that they've drafted in recent years, Robbie Snelling, where it's like, they were borderline first round guys, late first round guys. But I, I think if you gave them, if they were somehow able to delay the draft six more months, eight more months, they're probably top 15 picks. Like if they were able to get more exposure and, and continue to show the trend that they're on, they'd probably go higher. Dylan Head's field of hit has already impressed people, uh, I think, from the jump. Uh, I'm not a big like early check the complex numbers guy, but check the complex numbers on doing that. Like he is spraying the ball all over. The swing is so advanced. I was expecting really fast, super raw. Like this guy's going to need to learn how to like kind of swing the bat, you know, properly because high school guys that are that fast don't have to worry about it. Just put the ball on the ground and you're beating it out. Like you're fine. Heads, heads, a sprayer of line drives controls his body. Well, flies, and then can play a plus center field. Of course, the ceiling will be dictated by how much power is in there, but there's a world where I think he can have fringe average power. If that's the case, then he could turn into a, a one of the more exciting young prospects in the game. I, I think the two smaller, speedier high school outfielders taken in the first round here have, I don't know, almost taken both of us by surprise with I don't, like how good the swing may look, and that's Max Clark and Dylan yeah. Head. Like, mm-hmm. I think both those guys are, whoa, like, 
you've actually got some really sound swing mechanics here. It, everybody knew the kid in high school that would put it on the ground and beat it out. Yeah. And he hit 500 because it was infield singles. Like not everybody knew the 500 kid, but uh, like, you know, there were first rounders that were in the Midwest that, you know, would put the ball on the ground and, and beat it out. That's you just, remember James Beard. Yes. James <laughs> Beard freak, not the chef, not, not the uh, award for, for chefs, but um, no man, Dylan had, I, I, that was a guy that like, I immediately perked up with excitement with during the draft because, again, Homewood Flossmore guy like Chicagoland area. I was like, okay, I know this kid's a freak of nature, you know, kind of grew up on that Midwest travel circuit. And I I love that we are the only outlet that has Dylan Head as a top 100 guy right now, because I I think this guy you've got 70 wheels on him. I know some people think it's true 80. Yeah, he's a physical freak. Yeah, I my kind of rule of thumb is especially with wheels is like. I got to see it before I give the 80 Mm -hmm. because it's so hard to give an 80 off video with like power. You can see it and then you have the data to back it up and you can say that's an 80. Um, I I was going to try to pull out my stopwatch on video, but it was a little hard. Uh, I'm hoping to get a look at Dylan head, hopefully at some point soon. And uh, maybe we can bump that to an 80, but yeah, even if it's 70, man, like damn Uh, with a good ability to play the outfield and a good arm. Uh, this is, this is, I think this is going to be a guy that's on a lot of top 100 lists by early next year. Yeah. Number 88, guy that I was very excited about before the year and uh, maybe a little too bullish on. Um, not, not saying he's cooked, but Spencer Jones, outfielder, New York Yankees, first round pick last year. I, dude, I'll be honest. Everything I saw in low A uh, in college before that, um, the swing mechanics, I thought he'd be a guy that would mitigate whiff a lot better than he has. It's just been a little bit of a struggle for him in, in high A. The flip side is, is a six foot seven outfielder who was a two way player going into college. And then at Vanderbilt, you know, had to get or right before Vanderbilt, had to get Tommy John surgery. So ended up not not pitching, but also missed a lot of time hitting. Only had one collegiate season offensively and then got drafted. So there's not a lot of experience under this guy's belt. And I think that's being exposed a little bit here. I think he can get there. I do. He, he's cut down on the whiff as the year has gone on. He's cut down on the chase as the year has gone on. But as he's done that, he's also struggled to produce the same amount of power. It, there, there's, I mean, there's tons of risk with a six foot seven center fielder who can motor. Um, but it's just, you know, there's no way around it. It's been a disappointing year for a guy that, you know, I had as a top 50 prospect going into the year. And, um, you know, I think I probably got a little ahead of myself on this one. Only thing that I'm going to add, it's, it's really hard for big guys to not whiff. Okay. <laughs> really hard. Like judge whiffs all the time. Like mm-hmm. he hits balls a million miles an hour, but I mean, really, the only guys that that truly bucked that trend, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez is not six seven. Um, Wood is James James Wood with the Nats. I guess and he's is a starting guy. to whiff now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like as they climb, there's just more land for the pitcher to work with. Like there's yeah. way more surface area in the strike zone for the pitcher to work with. And I mean, you got to have things moving. Like think about a short kid versus a tall kid. They swing at a ball top of the zone. They th- they swing at a ball at the knees. Yeah, that is such a different plane for a tall yep. kid than a short. And kid. then you talk about the levers. Right now, I got to control these these long arms, and and so for for guys like that, it's it's optimizing your moves as much as possible. I've already seen him make some adjustments in the box. There's one thing that I believe in the Yankees organization with above all is their hitting development and their ability to get their guys right, especially in the minor leagues. So, I, you know, I'm really interested to see how Spencer Jones comes back next year. And I would love to see them as long as he's holding up physically. I would love to see him in the Arizona Fall League. Um, mm-hmm. This is a guy that I think could just benefit from the at-bats out there, get some confidence and roll into next year. I still have high hopes for him. I still think he can be an all-star. Uh, there's just more risk than I thought there would be. Um, and I already thought there'd be risk. Uh, so that just kind of shows you where he's at, but a lot to like still. Mm-hmm. Number 87, another New Yorker, but uh, the other side here, New York Mets, Drew Gilbert, their newest, one of their newest prospects, traded over in the Justin Verlander deal. This is like the opposite. And this is, again, why prospecting is so funny. 
we just went with the center fielder who has all of the widest range of outcomes in the world. And now we have a center fielder that is, I, there's just not that many ranges of outcomes here. It's floor ceiling pretty close. It's yeah. Like 50, I love prospects with 50 to 55s across the board. It's just so refreshing. When I'm putting those grades in, I almost like sink in my chair a little bit. And I'm just like, ah, it's just nice. Like 50s to 55s across the board. I, I, you could just relax. For sure. For sure. Um, and, and you love that like the 50 power is validated by what happened at Tennessee last year. Yeah. That, that's the thing. You see everything that's so smooth in, you know, I guess low A and high A and double so far this year. I guess it was only high A and double this year. But um, yeah, man, I mean, combining what he did in the SEC last year, and I know Tennessee was just cracked out of their minds, but yeah. um, seeing what he did in college ball last year and having that translate so effortlessly to minor league baseball, uh, I, I think this guy is as safe as they come. Yep. Fairly challenged in double A um, and, and has gotten better and better as he's been there. Quick push there too. above average field to hit above average power above average to borderline plus wheels and a, a really good chance of sticking in center accentuated by being a gamer hard nosed like plays at all all the cliches but like he plays at 100 miles an hour. I watch I love watching guys on the backfields because some you know it's like it's hot and you know they're kind of going through the motions. And then others, like, they only know how to play at one speed. And Drew Gilbert only knows how to play at one speed. He was playing 100 miles an hour on one of the last days on the backfields when it was 90 degrees out in South Florida. Like, that's what Drew Gilbert is. So it's it's average or better, I'd say above average tools across the board, and then he's going to get the most out of them by being just an absolute gamer. So great get for the Mets there. Gilbert's going to be a nice piece for them for the for the foreseeable future. 86, Cam Collier, Cincinnati Reds, third base prospect, first round pick in 2022, fell to them at 18, still don't know how. People might look at the numbers and be like, oh, you know, why is Collier still up here at 86? He's younger than guys that were drafted this year. So, you know, to just put him in high school guys, I should say, that were drafted this year. He is younger than Aiden Miller, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, this is somebody that, Yes, the numbers in the graveyard that is the Florida State League as a 18-year-old, you know, not not incredible. He's flashed 110, 111-mile-an-hour exit velocities. He's, you know, improving his field to hit. His defenses look sound at third. Like, it's going to take some time, but I, I, I'm a big fan of this this kid's bat. I'm a big fan of the way he plays his, plays the game. The approach is not as advanced as I thought it would be. Okay, he's a teenager. Um, I think that'll come along. But you know, he's got plus power, above average hit potential at the hot corner with good defense. Sign me up. Watch a side view of his swing and tell me he's not a top 100 prospect. Mm-hmm. That's that's all yeah. I would rebut to that. He's yeah. 18 year old. He's 18 years old. He's spent an entire year in low A. And you watch this guy swing a bat, get his A swing off, and tell me that that's not something you can dream of all-star appearances. A hundred percent. And A A swing's the big point there because for him right now, again, so classic for a young hitter who's seeing stuff that he's never seen before, right? Skips through high school, basically. Goes Juco route, tears through Juco, then goes to the Cape, and that was probably his first, like, real taste of of challenging pitching. He's seeing, like, rising juniors. Yeah. Yeah. And then now this is kind of more of the Cape, I would say. Like, this is very similar. For sure. That there's he gets out of his base, right? Like he he gets fooled a little bit. You know, he, his pitch recognition isn't totally there. How do you recognize things you haven't seen? Like mm-hmm. he's barely seen anything like this. So you know, he has a tendency to kind of get on that front foot a little early, and that's why you see the elevated ground ball rates. But to your point, Jack, when when he's staying back, you know, he's sitting fastball and he gets a fastball and he's you know in his back hip and gets his a swing off. That's a top one hundred swing. Uh, that's better than a top 100 swing, and and it's gonna come along. He's he's it's like a baby draft. Yes. Yeah, he's very young, very raw. Oh, whoops, whoops, whoops. Where'd we go? Where'd you go? We got to go to 85, and we got to go to Juan Brito. Juan Brito. We got to be the only people on planet Earth with Juan Brito in a top 100 list. Cleveland Guardians switch hitter. Um, I I'm down to lead the Juan Brito hive if if you are uh, on board, Jack. Yeah, second baseman. Can play third, can play short in a pinch, switch hitter, plus hit tool. And, dude, pull up that Fangraphs page and tell me 
try to find something wrong with that Fangraphs page. He was traded for Nolan Jones straight up. And I think the interesting part about this is this. I don't think the Guardian like I know Nolan Jones doesn't fit their their mold, but I don't think the Guardians were as eager to get rid of Nolan Jones as they were to get rid of Will Benson. Mm-hmm. And I think a big reason why they were willing to move Nolan Jones is that they identified a Rockies prospect that they probably figured out oh, the Rockies don't know what they have here totally. And they got him. And the yeah, big but- reason why the Rockies were probably willing to move Brito is he's been around for a little bit, even though he's young, 2019 signee. So he he's a guy that needs to be added to the 40 man. The Guardians, who are always in a 40-man crunch, immediately added this dude to the 40-man roster when they traded for him. I think that should tell you how high they are on him. This is a really good hitter, switch hitter, sneaky pop, defensive versatility, and then, Jack, the numbers are just are just comical. Yeah, no, they're nuts. And the thing that you say there that kind of gets me is by looking at fan graphs, if I was in the front office of the Colorado Rockies – I would say, yeah, anybody but this guy. <laughs> I mean, look at what he did in 2022. He spent 107 games in low A. That was Fresno. This guy walked 16% of the time, struck out 14% of the time, and had a 130 WRC+. plus. Why yeah. do you trade him? <laughs> so then he goes to Cleveland, and so far in double, 60 games as a 21, 21-year-old in double. He's walking 11% of the time. He's striking out 18% of the time. And he's got a 133 WRC plus. He's hitting over 300. He's got a 380 OBP. He's slugging damn near 500. That's that's the like, thing. Come on, man. Like, why are we moving him? Right? I don't know. I could, Nolan up. Jones is helping them. Maybe that, that like maybe like the only way you get Nolan Jones is if you give us Juan Brito. Uh, and you know, props to the Guardians for. You know, I don't think that they're going to be able to cash this one into the Junior Caminero degree, given what they what they gave out there. But you know, kind of returning the favor to some other teams. But uh, the reason why I love Brito is this again, another one of those. He's like just he's an elevated Foscue because it's. I got no doubts about the hit tool from both sides of the plate. Mm-hmm. Then you factor in the twenty three percent chase rate. Exit velocities are man, maybe a smidge above average. And he gets into the power in games better than you'd think. I think he's going to be a doubles machine. You mentioned the slug. It's one thing to do it the lower levels in the Rocky system where the ball flies, and maybe that's why they discounted his offensive output a little bit. But now he's doing it in Akron. I don't know off the top of my head what, what kind of environment that is. It's Ohio. But I know it, it's not good. It's like Northeast Ohio. Like it, yeah, it, it I, I, airs yeah, damp I, sometimes. I, I, know, I know it ain't like you know Grand Junction. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely going to be you know, relatively normal at least. So – this guy's going to be able to hit a lot of doubles, sneak out a few home runs, play around the infield, and just consistently barrel baseballs. 88% zone contact, 80% overall contact rate. As what? Is he still 21? Uh, still 21. At double A? Sign me up. Mm-hmm. 84. Arjun Namala. Shortstop. Toronto Blue Jays. Another recent draftee. First round pick. 20th overall. Can't believe he fell there. Um, we talked about it on the, on the just baseball show a little bit. Obviously you don't have much data on this guy. He's 17 years old. He was just drafted. So it's only video and limited things of what you've been able to see. This is one where it is fully old head. Like I've got my, uh, what's the, what are the hats called that you put on that all the scouts wear like the sun hats that they kind of wear? Oh, like the fedora? The, no, 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 no. That's only one guy. Um, like the floppy hats that they wear. The I, I guess like safari hats. Um, yeah, yeah. Like this is like hats. my safari hat scout, like right down the notes kind of uh, prospect take is I just saw Arjun Namala swing and I just know that that thing's going to play. Yeah. And you can revisit this. Like I don't have zone contact. I don't have, I, I don't care. Um, it was a similar thing with Connor Norby and some other guys where just I see the swing. I know it's going to play. He, he is so snappy, and by that, I mean, like, he gets to a slot, and he just snaps the barrel from back there. It is so quick, and he's on a rocket ship upward, similar to, like, a lot of what we were talking about with the Padres. I think this is a guy that if you delayed the draft six more months, he's a top-ten pick. Like, he was steadily going up. The defense looked better. He started to fill out a little bit more. He started to impact the ball a little bit more. I already believe that the hit tool can be above average because of how quick he is to the ball and how consistently he's already getting off his A swing. Above average tools across the board here with staying power at shortstop as the youngest guy in the draft, I'm pretty sure. That is an easy sell. And give me 55s everywhere. 
Yeah. Like that's not just average. That's like good everywhere. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I, I can't wait to see what this guy does as he continues to fill out. He is long, lean, and lanky. Yeah. Like, there's I a just, lot of room for growth here. I want to watch this dude at an affiliate and it's not going to happen this year. He's played four games at the complex and he's seen the ball really well. He's walked more than he struck out in four games. He's got an 860 OPS, whatever. Like that's, it's working. That's the other thing. I've watched those, those games so far and his feel for the zone is really impressive. I mean, he's, he's really comfortable takes as well. A lot of these young guys, they get to the complex and you see uncomfortable takes like the, the front hips kind of flying out. They're like, even, even when they take it, it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm almost going to go. I'm almost going to go. Hey, he's spitting on these balls like halfway to him. Like he's seeing them really well. And I think it's because he's so quick to the ball. He knows that he can make these late decisions and having that kind of advantage and, and feel at 17. Watch out for Arjun Namala. Yep. King of who I am sick of ranking. Michael Bush at 83. Los Angeles Dodgers, second baseman, third baseman, whatever you want to call him. He's playing more third now. Uh, Jack, just like read the AAA numbers and we'll move on. Like, but he's plus power. If you don't know who he is by now, check the last 15 top prospect lists. Um, he's good. He hits the ball hard. He walks a ton. And he's not very defensively gifted but at least he can play a little third, a little second, a little first. And he's like a Max Muncy light. Do you want me to combine his two years in triple so far or no? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, 193 games in triple A over the last two years. There are guys on this list that like spent less time in the minor leagues. A lot. Yes, (laughs) than Michael Bush has spent in triple. 193 games. Slashing 288, 381, 535. That's a 916 OPS. Um, 54 doubles, 44 homers, 155 driven in in 193 games. Wait, how many homers? 44. <laughs> yeah. Please, please. I don't want to rank this guy anymore. I'm so sick of it. I can't do it anymore. He hasn't been that good at the big league level. 15 games, hitting 200, got a 560 OPS, Dude. but like – He's not getting opportunities. I, I do. I also went through the at bats. He got hosed. Like he he got. If you look at the pitchers he had to face, I don't remember off the top, but it was it was like a hilarious. I'm gonna list. pull it up right now. There was a bunch of just arms where it's just like I don't like that sucks. He finally gets his shot and he's got to face like nasty reliever, nasty reliever, nasty starter, left on left, left on left, nasty starter. It was it was insane. Um, um yeah, here's some for you. Okay, so he saw a lot of the Pirates, but like when you look at what his most recent opportunities were in June, Ryan Presley, Montero, two plate appearances against Hunter Brown, Ryan Stanek, Phil Mayton, Ronel Blanco, Shohei Otani three times, Logan yeah. Webb four times. Alan Split. It's just it's miserable. <laughs> That's what I was that was the stretch where I'm like, bro, give this, give this guy a chance. I literally think they did that like so they could say. Will you shut up about Bush and Triple A? See, he can't hit Shohei Otani, yeah, Logan dude, Webb, like and Alex the entire Wood. Astros bullpen. Like, what? He sees somebody fine in Alex Wood and hits balls 108 and 107 in back-to-back plate appearances. Yeah. But you just listed the entire Astros bullpen, Shohei Otani and Logan Webb. Like, it sucks. This guy's getting screwed. It sucks. Um, I was praying he'd get traded. Uh, he probably would have been traded in that Erod deal. Uh, he got screwed more than anybody. Gross. Next guy. Awesome story right now that we got with Chase DeLauder at 82. Um, His swing is so, like, interesting. I think he's got to a limit. He's got a little bit of, like, okay, well, first let me do the backstory. Guardians, first-round pick, 16th overall in 2022. Missed the end of his junior year with a foot fracture. Then he had to get a screw replaced or something like that that delayed the start of his 2023 season. Can you believe, I, I, I think I remember this correctly. I think if you include the Cape, he played a hundred collegiate games, even funnier. I think it was like 66 college games and 34 Cape games. So yes. he played half as many Cape games, more than half as many Cape games as he had played collegiate games at JMU, which is just, first of all, nuts. So you have a really small sample size. 
all of the things I said about Spencer Jones. How about that here? This guy barely got that many at-bats at James Madison because they have a short schedule. Ripped through the Cape. And then his junior year where he could have probably played his way into top 10 consideration, maybe top five, gets hurt. And I think there was just a lot of questions here, right? Like this guy played 100 college games, including the Cape, at mid-major for most of them. Like how do we feel about this guy? Andy's hurt. Andy's big. So he fell to the Guardians at 16. It looks like the Guardians could be enjoying a little steal here if he can stay healthy. So, yeah, 66 college games at James Madison. He had a 1235 OPS and walked 17 more times than he struck out. In the minor leagues so far this year, nine games of the complex, 22 in high A, he's hitting 350 with a 950 OPS, OBP over 400. You say top 10, maybe top five. I'm thinking, hey, like Baltimore could have had a decision here if he played a whole season. He played 24 games last year at James Madison, slash line of 437, 576, 828. You see a college guy dominating like that? I mean, the conversation is there, especially when, you know, we were curious. Like, Jackson Holiday wasn't really the guy that was, you know, pegged to go number one. Like, Drew Jones obviously had some flaws. I, he could have been 1-1 if he was healthy, but the Guardians I came away with a steal, I yeah. think, so far at 16. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing already, and he's raw, you know, offensively, but 6'4", 235 pounds, Jack. He's huge. And he's a plus runner. Yeah. How is that possible? Um, his swing is like, it's short and simple, and he produces big exit velocities. Like 110s already with this short, simple swing that looks like he's just almost playing fungo, like slapping the ball. The yeah. one thing that I have a little concern with is he does a little bit of like a scissor kick with his back leg sometimes, which tells me like he's, it's getting on him a little quick. He's trying to mm-hmm. get it out. And, you know, that's something that might be an issue with more velocity. The lower half was kind of an inconsistent thing for him at JMU. I think it'll continue to come along. If he irons out that lower half, he could go nuclear. We're talking above average hit, plus power, plus speed, can stick in center. If you move him to right, I think he's a, or left, I think he's a plus defender. He's got a plus arm. This guy's tooled out, man. I, he's going to be – I don't care how many players go through James Madison University, and I'm sure there's been plenty of talented ones that will go and have in the past – I don't know if there will ever ever be a more talented baseball player to go through James Madison University than Chase DeLauder, and that's a compliment to DeLauder. It's not a knock on JMU, which is actually a very good sports school. For sure. Um, no, man, like he's an LSU Tiger that was a James Madison Duke. Yeah, that's yeah no one knew who he was. And that's what he's built like. You know what I love about him, too, is he could have transferred out. And he didn't. He didn't. And, I mean, you know, and not, not to knock the people that do, but, like, we see pitchers, you know, like, where did Dolander start? Georgia Southern? I think so. I mean, Skeen started at Air Force. Air, I mean, I'd transfer out too once I found out. And I was like, and once I'm big league bound, I'm not, I'm not trying to get Noah songed. I, no, I'm out of there. there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Dolander, Dolander elevated. Um, I mean, Tommy White elevated, and I know it was. And, and that's not, not like they, that. They have the right to do that. It's a great decision for their career. But it is always refreshing to see the guy stay at the mid major and then go early or middle first round, and you know show out for the school that identified them when they were, you know, a quote unquote, nobody in the eyes of the baseball community. And if you rake, you get found, man. Zach yeah. Neto at Campbell, Nolan Shonawell at FAU. That's, like, that, that's why the Cape found. is so beautiful, man. That's why you, you rake and then you do it on the Cape. It's you, you validation by yourself. Yep. Yep. Guys sometimes now don't even have to do that. This guy raked on the Cape as I last one of the episode. Tommy Troy, uh, shortstop he's listed at. I think he's passable there. The Diamondbacks have started him there. I like him at second or maybe even third. I prefer him at second. Troy's fun. I, I get to see him on the Cape. So this is a guy I got some live looks at, which was fun. And then, you know, plenty of video, got some decent data on him. I see potential for plus hit, above average power, plus run. And then if he's a shortstop, it's probably fringe glove at second. I think it's above average. Just another one of those guys, man. These college bats this past year and, and some of the other prospects that we're seeing, a lot of refreshing like 50s to 55s across the board. Uh, when you had college bats before, you know, I think the safe college bats used to just be 45s to 50s across the board. But now college baseball is becoming so talented that the high four college bats are like above average tools across the board. And that's extremely exciting. Troy, I think, can run into a, above average power. He flashed, I think, a 113 with uh, with metal 
uh, over at uh, Stanford. 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 Um, but, you know, I think he's going to settle into that, you know, a slightly above average power with Wood. My one concern that I've seen from him in the early going in his in his pro career, which it's very early, is it's not even a major concern. Is he's a hit tool guy, right? And and a lot of those hit tool guys, they feel like they can get to everything. He's swinging at a lot of pitches at the bottom of the zone or like at the outer parts of the zone and kind of like rolling over on a one one count or you know just putting a swing on a ball that he can't do too much with. When you know, this is a guy, if he leverages his hitters counts, he can hit twenty home runs. Um, yes, he's fast. Yes, he can really get to any pitch and that's great when you're behind in the count but right now he's a little too expansive i think he'll improve that i think that'll come along but man he's athletic he's fun good field to hit 90 percent zone contact in college it's a lot to like a lot to like um the other thing and he might have chosen this as his twitter or x profile picture because he looks defined as shit in this but like this guy when you say hit tool guy he's defined man i'm not sure if you can you know get a good oh, yeah. this but like oh, yeah. this guy's got some serious definition in the yeah. upper half and the lower half he is a very physically advanced draft guy and i i think that bodes really well because those guys that look the part and have the data to back it up you mentioned zone contact if you're a strong dude that has a peak physique that is a 90 percent zone contact guy in college you're going to be successful I love that you said that because his swing is very handsy and like that can be a problem for some guys. Cause if you're pushy, the ball gets on you quicker, but his wrists are so strong that he can, he can just kind of get to anything. It's really impressive. He can turn around velocity. He can throw his hands at something. And I think that that barrel malleability is again, part of the reason why he's aggressive, but I think it's, it's something that's also very impressive and that he can leverage, you know, to his advantage. The other thing that's really cool is he's a really good athlete and I have not really seen too many hitters do this. I've seen the leg kick when you're, you know, in, in regular counts and then with two strikes and no stride. Troy will adapt his leg kick based on how he feels like his timing is. Yeah. So if it's a guy where the fastball is getting in on him quicker, he'll do a smaller leg kick. If it's two strikes, maybe he'll almost eliminate it. If he's in a 2-0 advantage count and he's hunting fastball, he'll really get a leg kick up. And most guys can't do all those different looks. He can. And um, I think that's cool. It was interesting to kind of follow that. Some guys that were throwing really, really hard, he'd go to kind of a medium-sized stride. He's he's very malleable as a hitter, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a great characteristic to have. You don't want to overdo it, uh, but it seems like he struck his balance, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to climb very quickly. Yep. All right, that's it for the first portion here. We're going to continue to turn these out, you know, brick by brick. It'll be five five parts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to get through this and again the link is in the episode description we'd love for you all to check that out if you could leave a rating help us grow the show leave a review that would be awesome as always thank you for listening and we'll be talking top 100 prospects with you tomorrow brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.